Uh, hey guys, um, welcome to our presentation slash podcast. Um, today we're going to be talking about the animated sitcom Bob's Burgers. Um, my name is Cynthia Medrano and I will be your host. Um, the show was created by Lauren Bouchard, uh, who tells the chronicles of a family of five, the Belcher family, who together run a hamburger restaurant named after the head of the family and owner of the restaurant, Bob Belcher, who's voiced by Harry John Benjamin, who sides with his wife, Linda, voiced by John Roberts, and the three kids, Tina, voiced by Dan Mintz, Jean, voiced by Eugene Merman, and Louise, voiced by Kristen Shaw. Now, this isn't your average family owning a restaurant trophy because their restaurant is sometimes or often slow in business or when obstacles occur because life is never normal with the Belchers. We are able to really get to know the quirks of the Belcher family and their dysfunctionality. Bob, the head of the house and restaurant, tries his best to balance being a good owner while also being a good father and husband. He's very introverted and repressed, and despite how lonely and neglected he tends to feel, mostly due to his experiences during his childhood, he tries his best to be a hardworking man. Linda Belcher, on the other hand, is a very outgoing and eccentric outlet of the Belcher family. She loves to joke around and is definitely a glue to keeping the family together. She's very supportive of Bob and her kids and tries to make efforts in bringing more life into her relationship with her husband. She, has, she does have a tendency, though, to always be on the lookout for a surprise birthday party or an anniversary gift, which is something we see in the first episode, who is sometimes also unaware of social cues. <laughs> Tina Belcher is the oldest daughter, a 13-year-old hopeless romantic who struggles maintaining decent social skills. She's a very quirky girl, definitely not like other girls. Not to mention, this girl has one hell of a sex drive that I will not be getting into. Um, next, we have Gene Belcher, the middle child, who's the only boy other than Bob in the Belcher family. He's an aspiring musician, yet is quite the prankster. One of his most common schemes is to use sound effects in everyday settings with either his megaphone or keyboard. His typical and most favorite sound he likes to use are recordings of his own farts, as well as adding them to his music. If you think that's weird, that is only the root to his very off- putting an interesting sense of humor. Now, speaking of off-putting sense of humor, which seems to be a common trend for the Belcher children, we finally have the last menace of the family, little Louise Belcher, who is the youngest child. Who would have thought that a nine-year-old could be such a liability for the business of the family's restaurant, in which her drive for conflict often gets the Belcher family in tricky scenarios? For example, in the first episode, she starts to rumor that their family restaurant grinds meat from corpses from the crematorium next door. Bob's Burgers contains 12 seasons, with its first season airing on January 9th, 2011, and its 12th and current season that started airing on September 26th of this year on Fox Channel and is also available on Hulu streaming services. Each season varies in its episodes, with its first season having 13 and its most recent completed 11th season with 22, which seems to be the average amount for a majority of their seasons. In total, 225 episodes have been broadcasted so far. Each episode is about 22 minutes without commercials. Aside from the restaurant, next door is the funeral home and crematorium, and down the street is the Wonder Wharf 
amusement pier, as well as Jimmy Pesto's Pizzeria, which is the restaurant's main competition. In addition, the kids also go to the Wagstaff Middle School. Today, we'll be focusing on two episodes, the first being the pilot episode of Season 1, Episode 1, titled Human Flesh, which aired on January 9, 2011. This episode was directed by Anthony Chun and written by Lauren Bouchard and Jim Dalteri. The next episode we'll be talking about is from Season 4, Episode 7, titled Bob and Deliver, which aired on December 8, 2013. This episode was directed by Don McKinnon and written by Greg Thompson. During our presentation, we'll be having Jenna talk about the opening segment, then Kat will be talking about the narrative analysis of these episodes through Todoro's narrative theory. Julio will then talk about the relationships between a few members of the Belcher family, and finally, Efren will be closing up with final thoughts. I will now pass the mic to Jenna. Hi, I'm Jenna, and I'm going to be talking about the opening segment. So for the first two episodes that we watched, um, episode one, Human Flesh, and season four, episode seven, Bob and Deliver, the intros were actually different. And the first one we see first, it starts with the burger. Then it goes to Bob. Then it goes to Linda, Tina, Jean, and Louise. And in that way, it shows how Bob came first and then the restaurant comes after the family which I think is actually really interesting to show how the whole point of the show centers around family and their connection together. And the program does not have scenes from former shows at the beginning. It actually just shows the family and then the two houses next to them. So one is the funeral home and then the other one is a Jewish art gallery. And then <laughs> the mood that the opening credits create is just like a silly lighthearted mood for the audience and the characters are introduced one by one. The other sounds are only from a fire, which first burns down the restaurant, and then a extermination truck, because it is rat infested, and then a light pole falls into it. <laughs> and then <laughs> um, the other sounds are only from those, and the titles are symbolic because they show the street that they live on and funny sayings from each um, context of like the rats going in. Each time the van is shown an episode, it has a different name and stuff like that. And yeah, so the second episode that we watched, it actually is different because Gene has his keyboard in it and makes a fart sound. <laughs> and in the first episode, that wasn't a thing, which is also cool to see how the show has evolved over time. And like, as it went on, people learned to love the characters and like they really become attached to certain ones. And it's cool that the creators can actually like take advantage of each character that people like and can show them even more. So that's the opening segment. <laughs> And, um, hi, I'm Kat, and I'm going to be talking about the a narrative analysis throughout the whole series and the two episodes that we chose um, through Tordov's uh, narrative theory. And after watching Bob's Burgers, I straight away noticed that most of the episodes have a pretty linear structure throughout like every episode, where they follow Tordov's narr narrative theory, where there's an equilibrium, a disruption, recognition of that disruption, repair, and a new equilibrium. 
And the family in Bob's Burgers is portrayed as like a very quirky and loving type of family. And whenever there's something that comes in their way that disrupts, disrupts that bond that they have, each episode always ends with them reconciling and being closer to each other than they were when the episode started. And that's basically how every episode goes with like their different adventures, it always ends that way. And so in, for the first episode of the series, Human Flesh, that we talked about, it starts off just like that, where the family is seen re um, preparing to like reopen their burger restaurant after like a big disaster, and they're just excited to start um, like a new leaf for the restaurant. And the kids are assigned their jobs for the day, and the family is just getting ready to run the restaurant, and that's kind of like their equilibrium in the beginning of the episode. And that's disrupted when Hugo, Linda's ex-boyfriend slash fiance slash health inspector, shows up um, because Louise, she started a rumor at her school that there's like um, human flesh in their burgers because of the crematorium next door. And so he comes there and he's jealous of Bob and Linda. So he writes them up for having that human flesh in their burgers, which like ruins their whole plan for the day, which also ruins and disrupts the equilibrium, especially when like an angry mob appears and they're like angry that they have human flesh in their burgers. And that causes a rift between the relationship of Bob and Linda and the kids. And recognition happens when they realize they need to clear their name by standing up against the crowd, even though in the beginning they ultimately fail. Um, but even then, they still are able to repair that when, because when the crowd finally leaves, Bob, he breaks down in front of Linda, saying that um, Linda would have been better off if, he, if she had stayed with Hugo. But Linda, since like their bond is so strong, she just assures him that she loves him and not Hugo, and that she admires him for his dreams for the restaurant. And so like despite like that whole big incident, they're like still able to repair their relationship at the end of the day. And so the show, it shifts into a new equilibrium when the whole family reconciles despite the rumor being spread and what happened, and they still end up selling their burgers because like an exotic group, uh, like a group of exotic eaters show up that want to <laughs> eat human flesh, and they end up making more money than they had expected, and they just go together on a trip to the wharf at the end of the day. So like, it kind of shows like, despite all of those like weird instances that happen in their life, they still end up like a really happy, loving, but really quirky family at the end. And so the next episode, Bomb and Deliver, it follows the exact same structure, but with like a more, like each episode has like a different incident that's like, that would never happen in like a normal day, like a normal day, but it, it's, it happens to them. And so in that episode, um, the set equilibrium in that case is Bob is like, he is a substitute for Tina's um, home economics class. And he's inspiring these kids to embrace their dreams. And he even ends up starting like a restaurant in that class um, for the school. And um, that equilibrium gets disrupted when their restaurant actually ends up becoming much more popular than the school lunch at the school. So all the students in the school end up going to Bob's classroom restaurant. And so um, that is disrupted because the lunch lady, she kind of reports the restaurant to the board and um, the school board and they like threaten Bob to say, you need to stop this restaurant and let them do like boring stuff in class um, or you'll get fired. And so recognition happens when Bob is given that ultimatum. And, but he, at first he like stops using, he stops the restaurant, but then he realizes those kids need to like be inspired to follow those dreams. So he starts, uh, he starts up the restaurant 
again, even though he risks his job as a substitute for Tina's, um, Tina's class. And despite that, the restaurant being forced to close at the end of the day because of the school board, um, that disruption is repaired when, um, wait, wow. It's repaired because um, Bob, um, Bob, he like it, it inspires those kids to um, pursue their ambitions. And it kind of matches with the first episode because at the end of the day, despite not getting what they wanted, they're still able to, um, they're still able to like repair, repair the disruption. So I'm going to be talking about the relationships that I thought were interesting um, in the episodes we saw. And the first one that really stuck out to me was the one between Bob and Linda. And um, I just feel as though, like, well, as we mentioned, or Cynthia mentioned before, that Linda is very much like a happy-go-lucky type character. Um, I would say, like, borderline oblivious to reality, and it's <laughs> in its own, like, funny way. And Bob is very much like a pessimistic kind of person and very realistic. And I feel like he tries to be in control of the situation. And I think that like dichotomy between those two, it's like it really follows that like idea that or that notion that opposites attract in that he, they sort of tolerate each other. And in doing so, it sort of like uplifts them or whatever. And I think that like makes it interesting in this particular show just because usually in like um, any type of cartoon, like, where there's, like, parents that, like, are, like, opposite in that way, they're very, like, one-dimensional, like, we don't really know a lot about them, like, in, um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen The Amazing World of Gumball, yes. you know, like, the relationship between the mom and the dad, it's, it's sort of like, he's the dumb one, she's the smart one, yeah. and it's very just that, um, but in this case, I just feel like, it feels, like, almost like we're watching a sitcom, so it's, like, feels a little bit more real, which I think is really interesting. And another relationship that I thought was really interesting that um, I can kind of see like similarities in another show is um, that of Tina and Bob. We see in the first episode when she's talking about her crotch being itchy, and he's sort of like, "Oh, like don't stop, like don't talk talk to your mom about that." And he seems very, yeah, he's like ill, and he seems very like dismissive of her in in a way, but also like. It's almost like like a friendly form of bullying, if that makes sense. Like he kind of teases her, but it's cute and whatever. I don't know. It's I don't I don't see it like hateful, but I kind of see it that sort of like father daughter relationship, like in um, Family Guy between like Meg and Peter, and like you know like the whole thing is like Peter and like everyone kind of like bullies her and she's like sort of like this awkward person, and I feel like I kind of see that a little bit in in the, in the show with Tina and Bob. Um, and I just think the way they play off each other is really funny. And and in the first episode, Louise, like the, uh, I'm sorry, uh, her sister Louise, right? The you know, the little the little menace, the little menace girl. She like makes fun of her having autism um, in the first episode, and it, that was kind of like it was a little funny, not gonna lie. But but then when they throw the toothpicks on the floor, and they're like, how many is there? And she's like, three, and but there's four, you know, or whatever. And it, so I just think, like, they really put um, Tina as, like, this character to be, like, sort of, like, the punching bag of the family, yeah. if that makes sense. And I don't know, it's kind of sad, but it's, I think that makes it really interesting, like, her position in, in the family. So um, that's what I have for relationships. For sure. So my name is Efren Luna, and as my peers were explaining, um, how dynamic the family is and how uh, the show uses its genre to bring that out. So it keeps it very quirky 
and um, comedic at the same time. So um, what I'm going to talk about is uh, social references, as how Kat and Julio explained, um, how the family is. And although they're a family that's uh, together, and if you just see them in public, you'll be like, oh, that's a, that's a, a full family. It shows how the different personalities, it, how, how families, like, it makes fun of the way families are because everybody's, like, everybody has these things. Unique, Nobody's family yeah. is, uh, you know, normal. So it's like that's a big way that they, I like the way they play it off mm -hmm. with how they exaggerate and make it funny. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's, like, as we see them have to go through, like, um, situations every episode. Every episode there's a, and as we've seen in Bob and Deliver, um, it's literally a play on Stand and Deliver and Stand and Deliver has a good message about mm -hmm. how the school board doesn't mm -hmm. care about... So it, it, it still talks about that and references that, and it keeps it all very quirky. Yeah, and it's playful. And if I were to describe this to, as a show to somebody, like, I would say it's a show that you can watch, understand. You don't need to sit down and pay too much attention to it. Yeah. This is mostly for the laughs and the jokes, but you will catch all those references. Yeah, and those you little can messages. See, yeah, and it, and it like... Um, if you actually watch it and just, you know, if you wa you're eating and you're watching it, you'll get the references and you can relate them to life. Yeah. And there's a lot of social, if, like, um, and in the first one where it's the jealousy, like, the that happens with people's families and stuff. There's, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's always something coming up and mm -hmm. they have to deal with that. And they have to deal with, you know, Luis being uh, very, like, the kids actually just in general, not just Luis, yeah. they, how they disrupt the family business yeah. in a way. But they're just kids, so the way they handle it is very, I, I think it's very, like, clever. The yeah. way they handle it, and they put them to work. And they still find a way to, to keep it fun, and that's how kids are going to be at the end of the day in real life. So it's, it is relatable to life. It's just very exaggerated, yeah. quirky, and it's like, uh, that's, like, it's dumb. It's kind of dumb like funny. Playful. But yeah. I enjoy that type of comedy, so, you know, I can yeah. watch that type of stuff. I like stuff that's not serious all the time. And um, that's going to conclude it for Bob's Burgers. It's really a show that I would recommend uh, if you have leisure time and want to waste some time. Waste have, some time. A, have a little bit of, yeah, have a little bit of a laugh. I think it's chuckle. great. Yeah, a little chuckle. chuckle. 20 yeah. minutes, not long, you know. Yeah. It's great, I think. Yeah. Period. Yeah. All right, Thank guys. you, guys. Thank you, guys, Thank for you. listening. Right. Give you a little round of applause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? All right. uh -huh. <laughs> would you think? Would you listen to that outside of the class? <laughs>